to the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober. I'm Lisa. And I'm Alex. Get ready to dive into the extraordinary tale of our friendship and sobriety journey. From the inseparable high school besties we were to the incredible new chapter of Staying Sober Together. Our story is a roller coaster ride of emotions, growth and self-discovery. If you're just joining us, don't worry. You can catch up on all the juicy details if you go right back to the start of season one. We're on a mission to create a vibrant community for individuals embracing a sober lifestyle. Our vision is to shatter stereotypes and prove that a life without alcohol is full of joy, laughter and exhilarating adventures. So join us as we break the chains and show the world that you can experience true happiness and fulfillment alcohol free. Together we'll explore the highs, the lows and the everyday adventures that come with living alcohol free. Whether you're thinking about going sober, supporting a loved one or simply curious about the possibilities, we're here to share stories of self-discovery and growth. So grab your favourite non-alcoholic drink, kick back and get ready for honest chats, personal tales and a whole lot of inspiration. Join us as we redefine what it means to live a vibrant, fulfilling life without alcohol. Welcome to Be Sober, the podcast that proves sobriety is a cause for celebration. Woo! Hi, Lisa. <laughs> Hi, Alex. What it's a... just another manic Wednesday. Honestly, it really is a manic Wednesday. Like, I've just been on the radio. Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> I wish you'd have freaking hurried up. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, you know, when you're already in a rush and yeah. your computer updates... Yeah, I'm not it's even going to so bore you with the mess. Anyway, no, but, please don't. I'm not, I'm not. But look, as you can see, I'm still hybrid dressed for the day. Like I've got a T-shirt and jeans on and a jacket because I've also just played a funeral this morning. You do look like you've been to a funeral. And I know, and, and I'm going to have to say it. So Alex messaged me to say that she, she was at this funeral. And it goes a little bit like this. Oh, no, oh, no. No, it was going to be so long. She is 101, though. (laughs) Well, she was. She was 101. (laughs) You know what? Honestly, genuinely, I don't want to say too much about it because, well, they they probably wouldn't know anyway. They wouldn't know who I was. But I've never heard the whole way through it. I couldn't imagine. This sounds awful, but I was imagining that these are the kind of things that will be said at your funeral. Mine. Yeah, honestly. Like, <laughs> I swear, Lisa, right? They were just like saying things about her, like at 101, she never lost patience. She was always so present and mindful <laughs> and experiencing the world through fresh eyes every day. And every morning she woke up, she was grateful to be alive. And I just thought, this is Lisa's. Oh. I'm going to take some notes. <laughs> You know what, like funerals, I don't think get spoken about enough. And I know like we weren't going to talk about this, but do you know me and my daughters have a funeral album on our phones, like a photo album? Do you? What's in it? (laughs) Well, photos that we like. So say anything happened, it's because we're all so vain, right, that we don't want shit photos at our funeral. (laughs) So what happens is, say I put a new profile picture up, one of the girls, like all of a sudden it'll appear in the funeral album, the shared album, and I'm like, oh, they must like that one, they're going to use that when I die, and vice versa, we do it for all of us. I quite like that idea though, because when I was listening to this, they'd done a video um, tribute to her and they've clearly captured moments, because obviously when you're coming up to 101, it's inevitable, it's going to happen any day, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, you are going to go in a minute. It must be weird being 101. I know. Like, imagine being 100. Uh, Yeah. And, and like, what's weird is, like, we often think we're old in our 40s or 50s. People, I don't mean you and me, people think they're old in the 40s or the 50s. And, like, not even halfway. I'm not even halfway to where she was. You know what? There's an app. I don't know whether you've seen it on um, like TikTok and Instagram and stuff. And it's an app that ages you and it shows you as you are at the bottom and then what you're going to look like in like when you're 100. 
And honestly, what I got from this ad is I was looking at it and I was like, that was my first reaction. That's what I'm going to look like in 50 years. And then I looked at the bottom and I thought, oh my God, I look so good now. <laughs> like, it was such a good way to kind of think, wow, like we don't, we're always like, I don't know, you know when you look back at a picture from 10 years ago? Yeah, you, you realise like, you're didn't I know? Yeah. yeah. It's so true. Do you know what, though? This is actually a really good conversation for our, for who we've got on today. Yeah, this is I thought that. Yeah, so we've got Joanne Hill on today. I'm, sneak- I'm sneakily quite clever, you know. I know you are, actually. <laughs> Not sneakily, you just are. Stop sneakily in it. She, Joanne, um, Jo, um, is the owner of a, a wellness company called Amaranth. I mean, I won't talk too much about it, but she's local in Bramall. She used to be based in Manchester, I think. But anyway, she's in Bramall now. And I think we should just get her in and start chatting about how to stay and look young. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, get her in, get her in quick. <laughs> Let's let her quick in. before my wrinkles start. <laughs> I'll let her in. You look so serious today in your outfit. I'm going to take my jacket off in a minute. I've decided. Yeah, you're making me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, no, I will. I'll, 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 take, I'll take my jacket off as soon as Joe's unmuted and she knows she's already being recorded. That was just me telling you you're already being recorded, Joe. <laughs> I'll, um, yeah, I'm going to take this jacket off. Joe, I've done a brief introduction. We've just been talking about funerals because I've been playing the organ today at a funeral and it ran over slightly by about 40 minutes um and we thought it'd be a really good way to ask you about wellness and staying young (laughs) well there's a there's a kind of dive into the topic a wellness and staying young yeah before we do it seriously would you just talk about you a little bit just tell us a little bit about amaranth and your background but then genuinely we'll start there (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. So, um, hi, I am Jo, and um, I um, kind of wear two hats. Um, First of all, I'm a nutritional therapist. Um, So, I've been a nutritional therapist for the past 15 years. My sort of journey into nutrition was from my own um, journey with health when I was in my early 20s, um, driven probably... (laughs) Uh, driven probably from um, a life of standard university, um, partying, a lot of crisps, a lot of pot noodles, and a lot of pints. Um, Now, I knew nothing at that stage about blood sugar balance, um, and then got married and thought, I know, I'll have a baby. It's easy as that. I'll go and have one of those. And what I found then is that I had a condition called polycystic ovaries, and this is very much a kind of diet-driven condition, um, which can be fueled by um, not really being very good at regulating your blood sugars, and that has impacts on um, the rest of your body. So looked into that an awful lot more, and then... um, was fortunate enough, I did go on to have two children, and then I changed my career after my second child. I went back to college for three years to become a nutritional therapist. Um, so that was kind of 15 years ago now. And I specialise in female health conditions, um, initially things like PCOS, endometriosis, but then more recently, as I've got a little older myself, um, a lot more work around, around menopause, um, which is, is what I talk about a lot now. Um, and then my other little hat, just in my spare time, is that I own a health and wellbeing um, shop and online, which is called Amaranth. And I guess the key driver for that is that I've been working as a nutritional therapist for about five years. The consistent thing I would see with clients when they came to see me is they were taking out a whole host of vitamins. They were spending a huge amount of money on vitamins and they'd read that magnesium was going to help this or this was going to help this. But there's a huge, huge difference with regards to vitamins that are out there. It's a massive money-making activity and there are products that quite frankly are just an absolute load of rubbish um there are some key brands that are really really good and um i mean i'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later on but when we look at nutrients there's there's lots of different types some will be absorbed some won't be absorbed um and I was fortunate that I was working with other practitioners at the time so what we've kind of done is we've almost created this shop where we put all of our favorite things in 
and we've put in the products that we're really happy to recommend can't always say that they're the, the cheapest i wish they were um but you know we, we can be reasonably sure that if you're spending the money on that it's it's research based it's got the levels that are in there it's got you know it's not just paying lip service to 10 milligrams of magnesium or whatever that turns out to be and then um do an awful lot online now so online online consultations which is great we can reach people wherever they are in the country so lots of advice so that's a short answer about what i do <laughs> Joanne, I'm going to dive in. Sorry, Alice. I'm going to dive in with a personal question for me, what I want to know. <laughs> and it's actually about getting live. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got two, but I'll do the first one first because you've mentioned magnesium. So um, I've had magnesium for the last, say, 12 months. I was really achy. Somebody recommended it to me. I feel like I get a very good branded one that's been researched at the moment um, mm -hmm. and I'm happy with it. But I was listening to something the other day from um, a functional nutrient. Oh, I'm, I'm not the science-based one. <laughs> yeah. um, and they were saying about magnesium that you can't actually have too much of it. So it was a bit of an interview and they'd said to the guy, like he said, oh, since I've had this magnesium, I'm not aching as much. And he said to him, like, you shouldn't be aching at all. It's absolutely all right to have more. Do you know anything about that? Just from a personal perspective, because um, can you have too much? Um, you can have too much of, of anything. With magnesium, it's quite difficult to have too much. Um, magnesium is quite a, a big molecule size, some bigger than others. So if you were going to have too much you would be taking a lot of capsules. You're more likely to kind of have got sick of taking too many capsules before you've had too much. Um, the one kind of exception to that, magnesium comes in lots of different forms. Um, magnesium um, citrate or citrate, depending on how you choose to say it, um, that can have an impact on the digestive system. Um, that's one of the forms that is actually used sometimes for constipation. Um, but people generally have kind of a tolerance level of it. So usually the, the most you're going to get in a capsule of, of magnesium in citrate form is around about 150, 200 milligrams. Sometimes if people are taking like something like 600 milligrams, that, that you're going to feel that in your digestive system. Um, so it, like I say, it's something that's sometimes used by constipate, for constipation. Yeah, like I say, anything if you're taking too much, um, but too much with magnesium is, you know, is a lot. You'd be putting in a huge amount of powder or a huge amount of capsules. So, um, yeah. Are there different that we ones for in. the different symptoms then, Joe. So, like, you know, you're saying one for digestive system, which is the citrate form. What about the one for aching joints and muscles and the sleep as well? Are they all, like, the, a different type? Yeah, so you can use different types. And it, the way it kind of tends to work is that magnesium can be bound to different things so you can bind magnesium to different amino acids basically um, that helps the delivery of them um, it helps how they're absorbed but also those amino acids in themselves have certain properties so we tend to look at these are all generalizations um, we have got a blog on our website actually that talks through different types of magnesium um, but just to be a link up to that job yeah um, just to be just to be general because obviously I've not got a whole set of scientific studies in front of me when we write our blogs we kind of reference every single kind of point as to where we've got it from and things like that and we, we are very careful that we don't make health claims about something so just being kind of general in this case um as some ideas magnesium citrate tends to be absorbed quite well that is a good one for um for joints and anything to do with muscle your muscles are this massive collection of cells one of the roles of magnesium is to go into all your cells to help um create energy within the cells so where you've got such a you know, muscle is such a big, big group of cells, the take-up of magnesium citrate is, is higher than some other forms. So that's that would be citrate. Glycinate is another form. So glycinate is where magnesium has been bound to an amino acid called glycine, which is a calming amino acid. So that's one that we tend to think about for evening time and for sleep. Um, you can also get... Um, Chlorate, potentially a little bit more for heart health. 
Um, and then you've got other kind of organic types of magnesium that are kind of more in their natural form, but you'll generally get them in much lower doses. So we can kind of adapt the different types, really. Um, in a lot of supplements, you will see something called oxide, which just isn't absorbed as well at all. Um, sometimes oxide is used in a blend and then it, it, they kind of complement each other. Oxide, you can get more in a capsule, so you'll see higher strength, but it's just not going to be absorbed quite as well. Right. So would you so, say kind of to stay away from that, if you see the oxide? Yes and no. Um I would stay away from it on its own. Uh, magnesium oxide on its own isn't going to be that that beneficial. Um, but you've got an advantage that you can get higher dosages in capsules. So sometimes it's useful to have a little bit of oxide, but alongside um, citrate and a glycinate. And that makes a good kind of combined magnesium. Right. And then you can get a higher dosage. So there's kind of different ones. And I think that, you know, that's a, a thing about nutrition and nutrients in general is that um, nothing's straightforward. And I know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure here we, we, know we give ourselves a really complicated job because some person just comes in for a question. They're like, oh, can I have a magnesium? Well, yes, actually. And they're like, God, what? <laughs> <laughs> we're hanging on for about half an hour about all the different types. So yeah. <laughs> you, you touched earlier um on PCOS from a personal mm. point of view. Right. Please stop me at any point I'm wrong on this. I know a limited mm. amount, but I do okay. know it's to do with estrogen and insulin resistance, I believe. That's what I believe it's to do with. Um, um, yeah. So it it's known as an estrogen dominant condition, but right. also um People tend to have higher levels of androgens, which are the which is the, the testosterone, um, as well as absolutely insulin resistance. So I was messaging you personally the other week and asking you about castor oil packs, if you remember. So I'd, I'd heard this podcast uh, about putting castor oil packs on for detoxing you of excess estrogen. But when I've done a little bit of digging around, it's also amazing for digestive system and stress and gut health and liver health I, I know you did, I know you did say to me it's not really your area of speciality and specialism but you know let's let's touch on gut health because it's so connect especially for women's health isn't it mm, yeah yeah absolutely gut health before we touch on it can I just ask you Joe, if you don't mind will you touch on it from an absolute beginner's point of view for people because honestly I'm, I'm just going to put it out there for people that shut off at um, scientific words that's me yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you could yeah, treat us like absolute beginners yeah no you're right because I, I don't know many long words like if I try and say a long word I trip over it so I'm like right I'll just go for the basics or else I'll make myself look alright Wally um so, I mean, I guess one thing just to pick on there with pastoral oil packs, I know, I know I didn't get back to you properly, and there's kind of a reason for that, which is that pastoral oil packs have a lot of, there's a lot written about them, and there is a, there's a belief that using pastoral oil packs have these detoxification effects and also to kind of soothe inflammation pain. What I'm a bit like is I need to know why and how something works. Yeah. And anecdotally, absolutely. And I think I said to you, you know, some of the girls here are using castor oil packs and absolutely loving them and loving the results they're getting. But I'm like, well, how does it work? How does it work? And, and is it the heat? Kind of, is it the heat? Because doesn't the heat so make you feel better? Find, what I can't find is like a proper scientific study. And that's because no one's going to pay to do a proper scientific study. <laughs> So a lot of it is, and, and you know what, this is, there's a lot of this in natural medicine and this doesn't make it a bad thing. If, if something works for something and it's not harmful, then then absolutely. Um, but I think I like to be able to, in my mind, understand, well, it's releasing this from this system and then blah, blah, blah. And I can't, I'm not quite get my head around that yet, but I will. I'll try and work it out. I need to find, you know, somebody who's researched how these things work because, um we know that you can put things into contact with the skin and they will be absorbed in. What I'm not sure is with regards to detoxification and things like that, how that's working with, with castor oil packs. Yeah, pulling um, things out. 
Yeah, but leave that one with me because I'm going to find the answer and then you'll have to ask me to come back on and explain. We'll come back on, yeah. So, okay, so, we're not sure that. about that. What What is the right thing to do for your gut health? Because they can't, yeah. I say they, this elusive they, they are yeah. saying <laughs> now, yeah, just the they, anyone, that okay. they are now saying that the gut is like the second brain of the body. And yeah. talk to us about that, Joe. Yeah, okay. So the gut, regardless of castor oil packs, the gut is, is massively, massively important. So um, in our gut, we have got, well, the, you know, the gut has has a number of different roles. Um, you know, the, the whole digestive system is there to um, break down food, absorb the nutrients, but it's also got a role in our immune system. And there's, there's a big kind of gut-brain connection as well. And really, at kind of the root of that is that the gut is home to these, like, literally billions and trillions of bacteria. And there's a huge, it's like, a, there's a whole world in our guts that we just don't know about, all of these little bacteria kind of floating around. And they've all got a job to do. So it is basically a kind of ecology world that's going on in there. Um you know, one of the things that, that we do here is, is gut testing. And in that gut testing, we'll take a stool sample and we'll look at all the different types of bacteria. There's good bacteria and there's there's harmful bacteria in there. And what we want to do is have this really good population of, of good bacteria. Good bacteria will do a number of different things, but it will, um, one of the things when we're talking about hormones and hormone detoxification is it will bind to use hormones or bind to lots of different things. So when we inject something or we absorb something in one way or another, go through our liver generally for processing, and then it goes into the gut. And the role of the gut is to um, kind of bind to things and then excrete them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of keeping that that clean system to start with. Um, your gut bacteria has a role in your general kind of comfort of the digestive system. So if you've got um, IBS-type symptoms, for example, one of the reasons for that could be that that gut bacteria has been compromised. Mm-hmm. You've not got enough of the good bacteria. The other thing is it's, it's one of our main lines of defense for the immune system. So again, you know, we're injecting loads of different things all the time. As much as we might like to think that we wash our hands, everything's clean, blah, blah, blah. So much stuff goes into our into our bodies, so many bacteria and things, and your your good bacteria then kind of come into play to kind of bite that, and it, it um, will will hopefully maintain that that good bacteria balance. Um, but then there's been there's been interesting studies more so recently to show that a good gut microbiome or almost the opposite people who really struggle to to lose weight and we, we see this a lot here you know we've, we've got all the ideas as to um the kind of things that contribute to weight gain but every now and again you know we have a client who literally is doing everything and i genuinely believe they're doing everything and they cannot um they cannot shift weight and then there's been some good studies and it's something that's researched quite a bit in that functional medicine world is that where they've done more detailed studies, they found some of these people do have an imbalance in their in their gut bacteria. Um, there's been more research to show that sleep as well. Um, you know, poor gut bacteria sounds strange, but um, is is also kind of impacting some people who are not able to sleep very well. Now, of course, all of these things there's lots of other factors as well. Yeah. It's not going to be the only factor um but we we just know from all of these things that 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 gut health is so important and again the the gut brain connection you've got is often referred to as kind of your your second brain if you if your gut's disrupted um that can involve mood dysregulation as well so it's kind of it's kind of crazy and then i think if you go back to um you know the, the question is why are we now researching the the gut so much and why does this now seem a problem and it and it hasn't done if you if you look back kind of way in the past and you know i often refer back to so my granny if she was alive now she'd be like 110 and my job wouldn't exist then because it didn't need to they're eating the food that's just come out of the soil at the farm down the road all of that is full of natural 
plant bacteria is. And we kind of now, our foods are stripped back. So even when we're eating fruit and vegetables, they don't have the same level of kind of live bacteria on them. We process things and we process things. So we're kind of stripping back some of that goodness. And the opposite, uh, we're putting bad things on our crops as well now as well, aren't we? Which yeah. we can actually yeah. further harm, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we're sticking them in plastic and we're carrying them halfway around the world because we want everything all the time. And we're not eating necessarily seasonally. We're not eating locally. Um and, and, you know, I think nutrients don't stay around for as long. We're, we're overwashing things and, and lots and lots and lots of different reasons that our gut bacteria um, are not what they can be. I mean, we're, we're not in the position anymore where we can kind of eat the soil. <laughs> not that anyone did, not that my grand did eat the soil, just to be, just to be clear. I ate soil, Joe. <laughs> I ate soil when I was a kid. I ate worms. I just... just I made a mud pie once for my neighbour and I still have guilt about it. <laughs> No, I was actually doing her a favour. Yeah, there you go. You to feel guilty about you actually helped her gut bacteria, Lisa. Yeah, yeah, that on his head. yeah. and her poor neighbours when we were little. My poor neighbour used to get rose perfume, you know, and you just took a load of rose Oh, rose yeah, perfume. I used to make that. And we always I made pay for it as well, poor woman. 50p. Well, I think it was 10 actually. You don't Ten smell pink. the same roses anymore. You can't do that. <laughs> do you know what? I want to ask you again, sticking to the gut, about yeah. the emotions that are related to the gut. Because I know, like, we talk about stress. and But I'm somebody that will say, oh, I follow your gut. I've got a gut feeling or mm-hmm. things like that. Can certain emotions trigger your gut? We'll get back to our chat shortly, but first, let us tell you about Be Sober. At Be Sober, you'll find a supportive community of like-minded people who understand and support you. Energize your mind and body with our fitness sessions. Discover the power of mindfulness with Be Sober Yoga. Engage in vibrant discussions, workshops, and support groups with thriving Zooms. Be Sober really is the ultimate community, whether you're sober for a short time, contemplating it, or have long-term goals of making meaningful connections. It's a place where you can find your tribe and create lasting friendships. Take the first step towards an empowered and connected sober lifestyle. Join us today at BeSoberOfficial.com. Can certain emotions trigger your gut? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've only got to think of that thing um, like when <laughs> when you're nervous or something's happening, you want to go to the toilet. Yeah. Like, Need a nervous then, poo. <laughs> oh, that's you, Lisa. <laughs> Always have a nervous poo. And <laughs> and we have news. I'm first to toilet. Joe, jo, we just put this in context. We have conversations all the time, me and Lisa, when we're doing something together, particularly when we're together, and there's always this nervous poo conversation occurs before it. <laughs> if there's something big coming, I'm like, I've, wait, I've got to go and have a poo first. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? Like, we laugh about it, but there's a reason for this. And then it's basically as simple as when when your body's anticipating something and it knows it's going to do something big, the last thing it wants to do is need a bloody poo in the middle of it. <laughs> so you've just got a natural reaction, which your body's going, right, let's just get, let's just get rid of everything. Let's, and, and it, you know, there's adrenaline in there and there's all sorts of different things going on. Um, and then that, um, so that would be kind of where you've almost the anticipation of something. But then you've also got the things that the thing like kind of chronic stress. A lot of people who are chronically stressed are um, can be very constipated or have disruption to their digestive system. And that's basically the body going, I have got too much to do here, too much to think about it. I'm not prioritizing my digestion at this point. Um, and that can lead to bloating. That can lead to lots and lots of other things as well. Um, and then it is believed that you've got these kind of almost sort of, it's not the right thing to say serotonin receptors, but there's sort of happy hormone um, neurotransmitters that, that are kind of definitely related to the gut as well. Um, you get butterflies in your tummy, don't you, when you're nervous and things like that. So you do feel a lot in your tummy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like it's you say, we don't connect ourselves to our bodies, do we? You say it's that a lot, retreat. you know, Lisa. Trust your gut, trust your gut. You do, you say it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. this is this must have started like way back, like when your grandma was hundred and well, when she not when she was hundred and ten. <laughs> you know what I mean? Way back, I know what you mean, people yeah. used to. <laughs> 
People used to say these things, didn't they? Yeah, so yeah. It, it, may, it really interests me that, yes, we're talking about like the gut and the brain being the second brain, but actually was this something that we did know way back then? Yeah, we might have done. We might not have done the, the research to show why and, and the how and all of those different things, but we probably... Just got instinct. That. <laughs> yeah, there's all that instinct of, of trust you got. Um, yeah. So, you know, the connection's always always been there. We might just not have known as much detail about about why. It's what about people who don't drink then? Like, do you, you know, because to me, putting a poison, right, this is me coming out now, I'm a preachy stand, but putting a poison in your body is obviously not going to help those little bacteria to thrive in a nice environment. Do you see a difference in people's gut health in drinkers and non-drinkers? And is it something you even ever looked at? So, I will be honest and say I have not specifically looked at it. Um, however, whether it's directly or indirectly, I think there probably would be a difference. Um, I don't know of a particular study that's been done, but again, I'll, I'll happily try and dig one out. If there is one out there, I'll try and find it. Um, All right, my gut says there's a difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm sure there would be. I mean, if you think about it, so, you know, alcohol, um, first of all, disrupts your blood sugar. It's it's inflammatory. Yeah. Um, it certainly um, affects the liver. And when you're dealing with the, with the liver, you've got a connection with things like bile, and bile helps break down your fats. So you probably are not, you know, I see a lot of time people when they've had a few glasses of wine and a, and a, um, a fatty meal, uh, kind of next morning, for example, you know, they're kind of saying, oh, I think I've got IBS type symptoms. But when we track it back and we look at, or maybe they think they've got a food intolerance, we track it back and actually what we're noticing is it's a night where they've gone out, they might have had a bottle of wine, they might have had something that was a bit richer or a bit creamier and their body the next day is just literally rejecting it. And it's probably not a food intolerance. It's just that the amount you're asking your liver to do at that point by breaking all of that down. So, so basically you're then kind of, you're going to be dumping a lot more toxins into the gut. Now I don't know if those byproducts of alcohol actually upset the gut bacteria. Um, it's likely that they could contribute to, inflammation in the gut definitely but i also think um alcohol massively affects your food choices as well and where if you have alcohol there's no doubt that you eat you well not no doubt not in everybody but generally there's more craving for salty foods there's more craving for crisps there's more cravings for those kind of real carbohydrate type foods they create inflammation they certainly will kind of disrupt that that gut bacteria so um it's like i say is it direct is it indirect i'm not quite sure but i would say that that if you know if we looked at that in in detail i absolutely would say that the the gut health of people who don't drink i would expect to be better than certainly heavy drinkers i'm not i'm not quite sure with regards to moderate drinkers as to whether that's but there's so many other factors that go into that um, because, like I say, there's poor food choices. There's so many things that are influencing gut health. You're, you're, very, you're much less likely to think, right, okay, I'm going to go on a good gut program when you've been drinking too much, when you're hungover. You're much more likely to wake up and go to McDonald's. Um, you know, Joanne, it's really weird this because I used to think that I had IBS. Like, and I, I used to be like, we're talking about like nervous poos. It's always been a thing in my life. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Like I, there was an incident. Well, there wasn't it. I did poo my pants. That was not the incident. No. <laughs> Just because I know people would assume that. You did have a close, oh, close call, I, didn't I, you? Yeah. I used to have a lot of close calls mm -hmm. and I swore that I had IBS. But actually looking back at that time, I was very stressed. I was mm -hmm. going through a breakup. I was a single parent of three 
children. I was working. I was busy. I had, you know, all these kind of things. And then I was binge drinking at a weekend. I was eating crap at the weekend because standard, isn't it? You get mm-hmm. drunk, you go to a kebab house on the way home, then you wake okay. up and there's nothing in. So you eat the rest of your kebab in the morning. Always yeah. better in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> And a coke as well to wash it down to get rid of the hangover. Oh, yeah, full, full yeah. fat coke. That my hangover food actually used to be a full fat coke, pepper and and um, some beef hula hoops. Loved them. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I was always what's this? <laughs> what's Which is interesting from a nutritionist. I tend not to do that now. <laughs> yeah. What is your um, relationship like with alcohol, Joanne? Then. So I, I mean, I do, I do drink. I have. I have considered... We both not like, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, mean, I, I go through phases, my honest relationship with alcohol, I go through phases where I think, mm, maybe I've been out a bit too much, I'd like to just um, go without at all. But I think I am in quite a fortunate position that over the years I've got to a point where I can enjoy one or two glasses of wine, but I don't go any further. And I never, ever, ever drink at home. So what that means is that, you know, it might be a couple of nights a week, I'll go there, I'll go out with someone to yeah. a local bar and I'll have, like I say, what, I always drink small as well. That's my other little thing is that I will only ever have, um, they get annoyed with me at the bar. Can everyone see five? And I'm like, small, this is 175. Right, well, pay for the 175, but can you give me the 125? Um, <laughs> do, do you know what it is though? Sorry, um, Joe, but you know what it is? I the, Everybody has rules around alcohol. I had rules around alcohol, but my rules were just really lax. They <laughs> <laughs> were her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things, because I often talk to my clients about this as well. I mean, you know, there's no doubt alcohol does be no good. Like, you know, we're not, we're, it, there's no study out there that's ever going to tell you it does you any good because it just doesn't. Unless, ignore, unless it's sponsored by the red wine industry. And then exactly, I was going to say, I, I ignore the ones that say red wine has got resveratrol. If you want resveratrol, I'll give you the absolute resveratrol. I've only eaten berries, but you don't need wine for resveratrol. I'm so glad you said that. It's my favourite line, that, about the resveratrol and the wa- handful of walnuts. Get some grapes down, you shut up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, but that, you know, that's not to say that it's the right decision for everybody not to drink. I mean, I absolutely hate our alcohol culture. I hate the fact that if I'm driving somewhere, someone's like, oh, why are you driving? Why are you driving? Yeah. Like, because I, I don't, honestly, I don't care. Like, if I want to drive, I'm driving. Um, so where was I going on about my... So, yeah, the other thing I was going to say about, about alcohol is that I... Um, I kind of learned quite, uh, I ended up sitting in because it was a workshop we were doing here on on mindfulness and it was mainly around mindful eating. Um, and I was a bit like, oh, I don't know what this will be like. But actually, I found it really, really interesting. And it taught me very much to appreciate um, kind of what I have and think about what I have. But also what it kind of taught me is, because what I, what I never used to like is that feeling in the morning where I went, oh, God, I only went out for one, but I ended up with like, and I can't tolerate a huge amount of alcohol, but I might have gone like, God, I ended up with like three glasses of the wine or something, and probably not smaller ones. And then I'd be like, oh, God, I feel awful. What was I saying? What was I doing? And then literally, even as a nutritionist, I'm looking for crisps going, oh, God, I need to feel better. And that's what I, that's what I really hated. But this whole thing about um, sort of mindful drinking was more around that I now kind of, you know, say I'm going out and meeting some friends on a on a Friday night. I look at that and I think, well, first of all, I'm going to, I am going to enjoy that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not because it's alcohol related, but that's because actually I like the social thing of catching up with friends and that's much, much more about it. So if it's further away, maybe I choose to drive. But if it's in the village, fine, I'll walk down there. But I kind of, I set myself this kind of just thought in my head and it, luckily it's something I've done for a long time. So I, like, it's not something I feel I'm restricting myself or anything like that. And I kind of go, right, okay, I'm going to have um, literally a couple of glasses of wine tonight. And, and I pretty much do stick to that. Um, I always have a glass of water. So I will always get a small wine and a water. And then quite often, like, like when, when the next round comes in, I'll get an alcohol-free drink. And I think, you know, the whole thing about your alcohol-free beers and, you know, Seco and things like that is great because you you don't feel like I'm just sat over the water. You know, yeah. you've, you've kind of, you've got something. Um, and then I'm usually now, do you know what? I'm, I'm 
quite happy that sometimes I think I'll have a couple of drinks, but actually I might just have one because that's, you know, that's fine. So from that point of view, I've talked about it a lot at home. Like, funny enough, my, my son and I were talking about this. We both had, um, we just both had big birthdays. I saw big birthdays on Facebook, big, yeah. Big birthday, yeah. This weekend was um, 20, well, he was 21. I was 50 and my other son was 18. So they've not quite had their birthdays. They're, they're coming up, but we did we did a big bash at the weekend. And then we I've got that on, on Christmas, Joanne, actually. My eldest son turns 21 and my youngest daughter's 18. So yeah. very, very similar. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was a party weekend. But then we were both sort of chatting and going, oh, do you think we should like just be totally alcohol free for, for November? Um, I don't know that's why I just kind of came to the conclusion well actually do you know what I'm actually quite happy with doing things the way I am but everybody's got their own personal choices with that I mean I know um, you know the girls at work now most don't drink at all Um, and you know I think it's a really positive thing you know in fact what I did like at the weekend is that like we did a, a free bar for the first bit of it and the number of alcohol-free drinks we sold, and I'm like, that is, that's good. That's things changing. That is good. That's, I think, you know, what else I think is good is that you're having conversations about it, like with your kids and stuff, because mm-hmm. it's something that maybe, that that was never a conversation when I was growing up. It was just, we had a pub, so it would never be a conversation when I was growing up to not yeah. drink. It was just obvious that we would drink. But I like that this is conversations now. It's it's good that younger people are saying, actually, I don't want to drink or I might just have a couple or it's just not there as much anymore. Yeah, and that's yeah. good. And questioning why, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with a question. I don't want you to answer it, Joanne. Okay. Um, just because I've got it and I feel like I won't be doing truth to myself if I didn't. Mm-hmm. When you go out and you're just having one, why? What is that one doing for you? No, you don't have to answer that. I'm, I'm just, you can message me back if you want. Um, but I just think it's a really important mm. question to ask. So mm. we can we can move on from that. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's. It's quite a, it's quite an intense question, isn't it, that? I will think about it, though. I will think about it. While well, you're doing your research and all your different gut bacteria and your research and your castor oil packs, it might revisit you. You know what? I think it's habit and it's culture is probably what I'd say. I agree with that, you know, I think, and like you said before, and your your words were, I hate our alcohol culture. And I feel that if more people just said, you know what, this is all about choice. If somebody Mm -hmm. chooses to drink, let them get on with it. If somebody chooses not to drink, let them get on with it. Like, Mm -hmm. let's not have this big us and them situation. I would never say to some, I mean, I know we've just done it now, actually, but I would never say to somebody on a night out, why are you drinking? So don't ask me why I'm not. It's just rude. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's the thing in it. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, on a yeah. night out. I just would never. Clearly, ever. I would, Joe. <laughs> Clearly, I would ask that question. She would. She definitely would. No, I would. I would. I would say me. I mean, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. And I guess, I guess, you know, and again, it comes back to it comes back to personal personal choice, doesn't it? And it's kind of like we all make choices about the foods we eat and and the drinks we have and and things like that. And I. I'm kind of quite a big believer. I mean, going back to the sort of mindful, um, mindful approach to things is having something and enjoying what you're having. And, you know, I don't know why I enjoy that, that first drink. Um, I I do quite, yeah. Um, I I do quite enjoy that, but I I think I'm probably quite fortunate and it's taught behaviour and it's learned behaviour over over quite a long amount of time that I can enjoy that first drink without needing another one to get to the same point. And I guess so from that point of view for me, then, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, it's taken a long time to to get to that. practice. (laughs) And there was a point where I kind of was like, oh, maybe I just won't drink altogether because actually you know one became two and then two became three um but I think for me like I say it's it's a fortunate position in a way but it's it's kind of position that I feel comfortable with um 
and other people, you know, it's the same thing with lots of different food types. You know, there's things, some people eat a lot of, of processed, refined foods and there's the same question around that. Well, you know, why are you doing that and blah, blah, blah. It's all... I would say because I was addicted for, for food-wise. You know, I've just been away with my mum, actually, and she's done really well at staying away from kind of sweet treats and things like that. And I got there and I was like, let's eat cake. <laughs> and yeah, she's like, yeah. no, if, if I have that one, I have not been having any cravings. If I have that one, I'm going to want another and I'm going to want mm -hmm. another. And, I'm, and maybe some people mm -hmm. can eat one cake. Like some people can eat, drink one glass of wine. Do you know yeah. what? No, that's fact though. We right, all of this, any addiction, any addictive substance, yeah. right, any addictive mm -hmm. substance, we know that before anyone gets addicted to it, there's a whole healthy cycle with it. And by healthy, I don't mean bodily healthy, I mean relationship-wise. So for mm -hmm. years and years and years, somebody can have one drink until they can't. Yeah. I could genuinely, yeah. genuinely, as much as I didn't, I know there was a point where I could have one drink or two drinks and then go, no. And it did tip. It definitely did tip. And that's the risk you take, isn't it? When you put in any addictive substance in your, any, doesn't matter yeah. whether it's food, whether yeah. it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, you put it in your body enough times, you can, I'm not saying will, you can become addicted to it. It's not the person, yeah. it's the, the substance. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think there's something that we all need to take away from this. And I'm sure you've spoken about this loads of times on the podcast. And again, whether it's food, whether it's eat the cake, whether it's all those things, if somebody says... No, let them just say no. Absolutely. You know? Let it yeah. be. Yeah. Let it be. Says, mind your own effing business. Yeah. You have it all. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, like I say, yeah, go, let's go back to the, the cake a bit. But it's almost almost disappointed if you've gone out with them and, you know, you go, let's meet for coffee. Oh, you're not having a cake? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's the, it is exactly the same. I've been a cake pusher as much as I used to be a drink pusher. Have a cake, make me feel better. And that's where me and you are so dangerous together because where it used to be shots, like we went on, a, we went to a spa last Wednesday and we were eating carrot cake and like both more than happy to have it. And I would have had another piece, as would you, if we'd have, if we'd have done it. Like, I didn't quite happy. In fact, I think they should have given us the cake to make up for the fact that the coffee machine didn't work. Work. <laughs> and to make up for the fact that a chunk of your cake and my cake in the middle was missing. And to make up for the fact that I got abused by Mama Sir, but that is another story. Can I just tell you a email of complaint, Lisa? Did you know? I've, oh, I've, can I join in on this? Have I've, you sent it? I've sent it and I've added it from both of us. I've written us an email of complaint for the service we received. Well, I feel like you should go over this with me before you add my name to well, it. Well, you were away and I was mad. I did it from <laughs> me. I did it from me, but I was like, and my friend, Lisa, had this experience and this is... <laughs> Because I booked it, I felt I should complain. <laughs> oh, that's all right then. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Moving on. Can I just ask before we kind of bring this to a close? Because this yes. is my personal question, which it's out of context now, but I really want to ask it. So I'll change the subject. Um, I am in the middle. Our, You know, our friends up at the Lifestyle Health Clinic, Joe, and obviously Lisa's met them. They've been um, yeah. working with me on a personal level as well as with us professionally um, mm -hmm. and I'm just about to have an appointment very shortly with Katie um, my blood test results after three months on testosterone and nearly 12 months on oestrogen have come in my oestrogen's very high and my testosterone has now just tipped into the high um, okay. I knew I knew I was oestrogen high I knew uh -huh. that's why I was asking you about I just I just could tell yeah, yeah. Paul Vicker yesterday heard me announcing to the doctor on the phone that I had tender breasts and then I looked round and he was stood there and I was like oh gosh that's not what I wanted the video. oh that's <laughs> awful <laughs> that's but that's give me the ick that's, <laughs> that's give me the uh. <laughs> seriously you can come in here anytime and talk about your tender breasts we literally do it all day like the, the girls on the team are just constantly going oh it's me boobs we, we well, generally walk around holding them I felt I feel very heavy in my tummock, my tummock, yeah. my tummock, my tummock, <laughs> right? Heavy in my tummock, yeah. new word. Um, obviously, that's excess estrogen as well. Um, mm -hmm. Heavy, like really, like period. You said that when we was out, you know, yeah. it felt bloated. Yeah, bloated, mm -hmm. sluggish. Thankfully, I, I, I think I could sleep through a typhoon. I think I'm fine. But um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, do you know, do you have any kind of estrogen stripping vitamins? Mm -hmm. Do people take those kind of things? 
Sure. Okay. So, I mean, you're almost kind of an opposite position that than we talk to a lot of people about, because obviously we're talking to a lot of people who are going into that that perimenopause phase, and um, their estrogen is is reducing, and they may or may not have chosen to. Um, HRT, which is a whole other story. So, of course, the first thing to do is is speak to Katie and Laura, their doctors, their JPs, and they will look at um, your HRT. They'll look at your your prescriptions and say, actually, you know, what is this right for you? Yeah. Um, But it may be that you're not clearing that that estrogen as well as you should do. And basically, um, your estrogen goes through your liver to be detoxified and then um, goes into your gut where it it binds to those. um, It's got a certain process, I won't go too technical, but basically having plenty of of good gut bacteria will help it kind of um, bind to that estrogen that, that your body's had and used and then will hopefully sort of detoxify that estrogen by, by excretion. And you're delivering your digestive system and your detox pathways. There's also um, a component that's in some of your cruciferous vegetables. So this is um, cauliflower, broccoli, cabbage. Um, they've all got this, um, this component called DIN, which actually... Um, has been found to shunt your estrogen down kind of healthy detoxification pathways with different pathways that your estrogen can detox. So they're really good things to um, to keep in your in your diet. Plenty of those those green leafy type veg. Um, so Things like that. Sam will have to learn to sleep through a typhoon now, Alex. <laughs> yeah, when I've had all my broccoli. Oh, your yeah. broccoli and your cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's my husband, by the way, so that's why she's saying Sam will have to do it. Yes. But if you've got plenty of good gut bacteria, you shouldn't have so much fermentation of those things. Um, and then you're looking at a kind of general um, liver support as well. Whenever we're trying to um, encourage the detoxification processes, it, it's what happens in the liver. And um your liver's got like quite a few different pathways, um, but by supporting those, you know, there's a component called allicin, which is in garlic and onions, um, that can help detoxification, um, artichokes, turmeric. So they're all kind of natural things. And this is, you know what, there's so many components in different fruit and vegetables, and it always comes back to eating as much of a variety of different things as you can do. Um, Of course, we can um, look at supplementing some of these things as well where it's appropriate. Um, But there's never a point in somebody just whacking in loads of supplements when the diet's not very good. Um, It's it's usually kind of a combination of both and we're always happy to um, kind of work one-to-one with people with those things. I might well be popping in (laughs) after the appointment. Yeah, I mean, we offer a free um, 15-minute health review as well, um, and that can be booked online or by giving us a call. Um, I guess the other thing I didn't mention there when we're talking about detoxification is fibre. And um, I've talked a lot about good bacteria, but also in the gut we need fibre. And we need water, fluids, potentially green tea to um, help again... um, clear things push it all through you can put in all the fiber in the world but if you've not got fluid with it as well um you're gonna you're potentially gonna kind of cause constipation and then looking at things like flaxseed psyllium really good um digestive support um agents anything that's going to help that diet well liver digestive um, processes get the digestion working and moving quickly somebody who's struggling more with constipation or has got poor liver health they're not going to clear things and that does mean that things can go back into recirculation so where you want to get these things going out of the system you've got to be very careful they don't then end up getting reabsorbed and then you end up again with more of that estrogen dominant position I mean, you know it sounds in your case like i say that, that there could be that modification is needed to the prescription and i think i'm just using too much at the minute that's what, that's what my general feeling tells me but i've always had very good levels of estrogen anyway mm-hmm. just not very good levels of the others so you know yeah. i might be a little bit of an anomaly but you've given us a good general mm-hmm. answer for anyone who might be kind of in that position and obviously they can come for a free consultation with you in person or online 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so we do. I mean, there's there's three of us here who are nutritionists. So um, all we all qualified in exactly the same way. Um, we all do consultations. So on our website, there's a little um, button you can press, which is it book a health review, and it'll take you to a diary where you can choose a slot or email us, and the details are on the website. Um, and that's the website, Joe. Cheapies day was my grandmother used to say, and I live by that rule. 
It's true. Cheap is yeah, dear. So anyway, thank you so much, Joe, for coming on. No I'm problem. sorry for springing up the um, alcohol question on you, but you can't come on a, a podcast called Be Sober. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to ask. More than happy to talk about but it. Thank you so much for and being happy so birthday. Open. Happy belated birthday, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Good to speak so to you. Thanks so much for having me I on. I can't believe you're 50. I just want what you have, please. Okay. No, I, I, I want that. a list of your vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> they might not be right for you. Have you learned nothing? Get your consultation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 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 first your diet and what you have in and all of those things. Yeah. Oh, oh, thank, thank you so, so much. much. Thanks fun. for coming. Really appreciate Enjoyed it. And I'll see you soon when you're running away oh. from the shop and I come round the back and catch you. <laughs> thank you for tuning into our podcast we really do appreciate your support so to stay updated with our latest episodes be sure to follow or subscribe to our channel and don't forget to share the be sober love with your friends helping us reach even more people if you're interested in learning more about the impactful work we do or you want to become part of our incredible Be Sober community, visit our website at besoberofficial.com. There you'll find all the information you need and discover how you can get involved. We look forward to welcoming you into our community of changemakers. Until next time, be brave, be kind and, and be sober. sober.